Welcome to Simple Obedience with Mandy Kennan, where my prayer is that you will feel like we are sitting one-on-one at a coffee shop, my chair pulled close as command on my life to use my voice to encourage and declare His promises over you. Join me for testimony and encouragement relating to motherhood, marriage, birth and postpartum, finances, health, foster care, business, friendship, and sobriety, all in light of the gospel. God's ways truly are best. I know because I've rebelled and seen the destruction that comes from it, and I've seen God's ultimate protection, goodness, and true freedom that comes from obeying His instruction. My hope is to spur you on, encourage you, lift your head, educate and empower you, as well as create a space for other women to share their testimonies and their birth stories. There is hope to be found in Jesus. Okay, welcome back to Simple Obedience with Mandy Kennan. Today, I am going to be sharing my miscarriage story, and I am nursing Gloria right now, so you'll probably hear her. But this one took a little bit longer for me to find the time for. I swear I record a podcast and then like I exhale and it's been two weeks and I'm just like, I swear I literally just recorded a podcast. Like how is it already time for me to do it again? Um, But I also feel the same way about like laundry and dishes and everything else. (laughs) Like I get it done and then I'm like, whew, okay, I'm glad I got that done. And then like during that exhale, all of a sudden it's been like long enough that it all piles up again. So I am working on creating like a structured on this day I record, on this day Caleb's going to edit it, and then on this day every week I'm going to release at least one podcast. I would love to do two podcasts a week, um, but I really just need to get into a rhythm and then figuring out like childcare and also when my husband is able to edit and mix and do all of that. Um, So basically we usually just kind of bulk do it and I record and he edits it and we post it all in the same day, but that is not very like, I don't know. It's just not helpful because we don't always have like a whole day to do things. So trying to figure out a better system, but today I'm going to be sharing with you all about my experience with our second pregnancy, um, which unfortunately we did lose that baby. And I'm going to be sharing what that experience was like both from like the hospital system and then also from my midwife. And then I also want to talk a lot about, um, our NAPRO technology doctor that we worked with through that and everything that I learned that helped me to get pregnant again. And, um, I think I'm just going to record all the way through maybe to do, um, my home birth story too, because it's all just so connected and it's just crazy the way that God provided the people that I needed in that amount of time, um, to really have true informed consent and to learn about my body versus just being another person, um, who did not have a viable pregnancy and who this is just what we do. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. Um, so I found out I was pregnant on, what is that? March 31st around midnight or 1230 in the morning, I was watching, um, trash TV downstairs by myself. And at the time we had three foster kids living with us and then my husband and our toddler. And I remember getting up and, um, I was done watching TV because I was like falling asleep 
Caleb and Judah already went to bed. The kids were all in bed. And um, I went to the bathroom. And when I came upstairs, Judah was getting fussy. So he came into the bathroom with me. I tested and I found out that I was pregnant and I was so excited. So I woke up Caleb, showed him the test. He was kind of freaking out. At this point, I was almost one year postpartum. So I was still exclusively breastfeeding. Um, and I was not having like a normal period because of that. So I had no idea, but I just felt like something was different and I wanted to test. So I took that test and I was positive and I went to small group in the morning, um, like a mom's group Bible study. And I told, um, our small group that I was pregnant and I am just not someone who keeps my pregnancies a secret. I think I posted my first on social media that I was nine weeks pregnant ish when I shared that. Um, and I just really hate the whole wait in silence until you're 12 weeks. And if you miscarry during that time, don't tell anyone about it and just basically get over it because it makes people uncomfortable. And I literally just am not, I'm not about that. So I shared with my friends and, um, it was really hard because I had a friend who was also pregnant that had just found out she was miscarrying. So my share was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. And hers was that they had just lost the baby. And that was just really hard and sad. And she actually also had home births. So she actually forwarded her email to me. Um, so it was from like the week before, before she had miscarried and she sent me her, um, old midwives recommendations for, um, like home birth midwives because her midwife had no longer been practicing. And I was just so humbled and thankful for the way that she loved me by having just lost her baby and still like forwarding that congratulations. Oh my gosh, you're pregnant. Here's some people that you might want to work with email to me. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. It was just really, really sad. Um, but She was just so loving towards me and gracious to be excited for me, even though like she was just walking through that miscarriage and that loss that same week. Um, So after that, I went and I got my blood drawn to figure out my HCG levels um, because I had a little bit of bleeding and I also had bleeding with Judah. So I didn't think anything of it. I was really just like, well, I know that if you Google it, bleeding in the first trimester is could be common or it could mean I'm miscarrying. Um, it was just very light red bleeding. It wasn't like super dark or a lot. Um, but I had my HCG levels tested and they came back at 175 HCG. So I was pregnant and, um, then I was spotting for the next couple of days. So at this point, as far as I know, I'm still pregnant. And, um, basically what they recommended is I come back, um, 48 or 72 hours after to get my blood drawn again. And mine, I think was 72 hours. Um, and they wanted to make sure that it had at least doubled. So in this time I was searching for a home birth midwife because I already knew because of my experience with Judah, I did not want to go back to the hospital. And I had a friend from church who did a home birth post a picture and she tagged her midwife. And I just talked to this friend before finding out I was pregnant, all about her birth and my first birth in the hospital. 
um, and about her home birth and her midwife. And it was just something where I was like, okay, once I'm pregnant, I know I want to talk to her. So after I found out I was pregnant, I had asked her for her midwife's number. And, um, I also had those resources from my other friend who was walking through a miscarriage herself. And the recommendations from my other friend were much more expensive. And I had a hard time discerning from the people's websites, if they were true Christians, um, or if they were kind of in the, like new age, super into like crystals. And, um, it's really hard with home birth, especially I feel like, because there's a lot of like herbalism and, um, or herbalist and like tinctures and homeopathy and just things where it's like, it's a more natural way of looking at things, but it can really quickly like veer off the path of Christianity and more get into like new age stuff. And I really didn't want that in my birth space. Um, I had a friend, a different friend who was pursuing home birth and, um, she had a situation where she hired a midwife who wasn't necessarily a Christian and they were having a conversation about like how her and her husband could like or I guess her baby could like choose its own gender. And my friend's husband had to very quickly like shut that down and tell her, we're not going to talk like that (laughs) about my child. And we don't believe the same things you do on that. And we just don't want to have this conversation with you again. Like, it's fine if that's what you believe, but we don't want to have that anywhere near like us or our birth or anything like that. So I really wanted to avoid that. And my number one thing was that I just did not want to be called a birthing person. (laughs) because I feel like I was looking at all these websites and they weren't using the word woman. They were like saying birthing person. So, um, I just didn't want to have that in my home. Like I wanted to have someone who was affordable. Like obviously home birth was more expensive for us because it was free to give birth in the hospital, but we didn't want to spend like eight to 10,000. Um, but I also just really wanted to be on the same page on a very basic level as far as like gender marriage and most importantly, God. So, um, I texted my midwife who I ended up hiring on April 3rd and I was just telling her that I got my number or got her number from my friend at church. I was looking for a home birth midwife and I was due in December and she asked where I lived. I told her I lived in Ames and she said that when the number came up on her side, it was like outside of the place that she services. I think it came up as like Cedar Rapids or something as I obey God. Um, but it's because I have a 319 number still. So it was actually Cedar Falls, but Um, we set up a phone call that next day and we talked for probably close to an hour. If I can remember right, if not more than an hour, um, I mentioned that I had been bleeding, but that I had that with Judah too. So I would just let her know the results of my blood work. And I had just gone in for blood work that morning. So I was literally like refreshing my phone, like all day trying to see what my results were because I already had my first blood draw three days prior at 175 HCG. So I was just waiting to make sure that that was going to double, Um, and, uh, we decided on that phone call that she would be my midwife. And my one question was, please tell me that you will not call me a birthing person. (laughs) And she laughed and assured me that she wouldn't. And, um, she did ask a lot of previous questions about like my last birth and how my labor went and my health history and my nutrition, my overall wellness. She told me that she was not licensed with the hospital system, which at the time I had no idea how much I would come to love this about her. Sorry, Gloria's like still trying to decide if she's going to finish this nursing session or if she's done. 
Um, or how important that would be to me because I was still learning like what home birth and midwives truly are. And then I come to, I came to learn more that some home birth midwives are more of what they call like a medwife, um, doing the same things to moms that hospitals do, like making sure that they follow all the hospital rules. Don't go over 42 weeks. Don't have a breech baby vaginally. Um, but I do remember asking her what it even means to not be licensed. And I remember Caleb understood better than I did, but she basically explained to me that she's not involved with any hospital. She's not under any certain rules. Um, and basically she could choose like if a mom goes over 42 weeks, she doesn't have to like force her to go give birth in the hospital. Or if there's a situation where there was a vaginal breach birth, my home, bi- my home birth midwife actually asked me, <laughs> she said, that would be something where I would um, want to ask you if I can record you giving birth, because she said that the reason that a lot of providers don't do it is because no one teaches it anymore. And she said that would be an amazing thing for her to be able to teach her student midwives and assistant midwives on like, here's how we allow a woman to birth her baby, even if it's breach. And here's a video of a mom actually doing it. So I was actually kind of hoping that I could do that. Um, just because she was like, so just trusting in my body. And I had listened to a ton of birth stories during my pregnancy of vaginal breath, breach births. It's really sad to me that women worry so much about the position of their baby because a lot of times the way that the baby's positioned is for the baby's own good um, for whatever reason. And when we try and like change their position so much to be head down instead of feet down, like there's just like babies are smart and they know what to do. And I don't know, just the more that I learn about vaginal breech birth, I'm just fascinated. And I love that she wasn't going to make me do anything that, um, obviously there's a list of things like that. If there, if there needed to be a transfer, there was like things that she would share with me, like, here's reasons why we might need to transfer. But that's all of what that phone call was, was like, um, making sure that I understood kind of who she is, um, her background. She has a ton of experience in the hospital setting and then decided to break away and serve moms outside of the system. She kind of went back and forth through her mothering years. She has seven kids um, in the hospital doing home birth, in the hospital doing home birth. And um, she is actually going to be my first interview on the podcast. So um, I'm really excited about that. And then I'm also going to interview Caleb about dad's side of home birth because a lot of people don't do home birth simply because their husbands aren't comfortable. And I just need to share and Caleb needs to share his side of that too. So Um, like I said, she did tell me, here's some reasons why we might need to transfer. She told me it's not a guarantee that there will be a home birth. Um, but she did say if I did need to transfer, she would come with me and essentially be my doula. And, um, we're going to talk more about what truly warrants a hospital transfer for home births when I have her on. But, um, so we had our phone call. I texted her my email to send me more info and then my address for our first appointment. And I told her just how thankful and relieved I was feeling to have her as my midwife. I just felt immediately like this was supposed to be the person that I was working with. And she was much more um, reasonable in cost. We still didn't know how we were going to pay it. And that's another episode for another time in the way that the Lord provided. But um, yeah, I was just so excited and so thankful. So it was less than three hours later. I got my results back from my blood work and my levels had dropped from 175 HCG to 68.4. 
And I remember seeing that my levels were in, opening the link. I was upstairs, and I don't remember what kids were home. I think three of the four were upstairs, and they were, like, playing or something. And Caleb had one of the other kids, and he had left to take him to therapy. And so I ran downstairs. I had my phone in my hand. I just had the results pulled up, and I called my midwife. Her name's Jen. And... um. I just remember like feeling my heart beating like through my whole body. Like I just like part of me knew that that meant I lost the baby, but part of me was still like, what does this mean? But I remember seeing my results that they had gone down to um, 68.4 and I called, I went downstairs, I closed the door to this room in the basement that I really didn't like, but it was just somewhere that I needed to get away. And, um, I guess I didn't not like this room at this point, but this ended up being a room that I avoided because this is where I found out that I lost the baby. Like moving forward, I didn't like this room after this moment. Um, but I went in there, I closed the door and I called Jen and I, I was just in a panic. I was like, okay, so my numbers were 175. Now they went down to 68.4. And I'm just wondering, is there any possible way that this could mean that I still am pregnant or is this like, am I miscarrying? And I thought, I thought that maybe there was something that could have happened where it's like, oh, there's a possibility that you'll still be pregnant. Like that's what I was like wanting her to say. Um, but she said that the blood levels were congruent with a miscarriage and I just think about like how unfortunate it is that she had just met me like less than three hours before this. And the only thing that she's known about me is that like I want a home birth and now she's my midwife and we were just solidifying all of this like less than three hours before this. And now she has to be the one to deliver that news to me. And I'm just so thankful for how like tender and loving she was towards me. And when she said the numbers are congruent with the miscarriage. I just like fell to the floor and like collapsed. And I remember just like thinking in my mind of like, I always have said, if I ever lose a child, like I just am going to want to die too. Like there is nothing worse as a parent than knowing that you lost your baby. And that's exactly what I was feeling. Just like so hopeless and devastated and broken and empty and just like, so sad that for the last few days I was thinking I was pregnant and I used to like, I didn't ever say this, I don't think, but I used to think like, if you lose your baby early, that it's going to be easier, but it really wasn't because like my husband and I, both of our birthdays and our anniversary are in December and this baby was due in December and I was just so excited and we had already been talking about names and it's like, it did not take I mean, I only knew I was pregnant for like four days, but I was so, so heartbroken. And I just remember collapsing onto the floor and I was weeping and she just said, I'm so sorry. And she just let me cry and, um, she was just there. And I'm so thankful that she told me before the doctors, because I just already felt so close to her from that conversation of like, she was the one that shared that with me. Um, and she told me, I know that this doesn't make it any better, but I've been through this twice and it is horrible. And it's like the worst <laughs> to have to walk through and I'm here for you. And she asked if she could pray over me and I was just still weeping. Like I wasn't talking and I said yes. And she prayed. And then after we got off the phone, um, she sent me a text message 
and it was um, scripture, and it said, God is with you wherever you may go, no matter what life brings, Joshua 1.9. And I remember opening that and just seeing the text above it that said, thank you so, so much. I'm feeling so relieved that she was going to be my midwife. And that was at 1.44. And then around 4, it was 4.27 when she texted me that next text. So that's like... Two and a half hours later, we went from being so excited, so relieved. Here's my email. Here's my address um, for any like paperwork or a first appointment in the email to send over like her like agree agreement thing or whatever that she was going to send me and just to have my email on file and then the address so she could come to my home to do my midwife appointments, my prenatal appointments. And then the next text message is God is with you wherever you may go and no matter what life brings. And it's just like, wow, that really sucks that we went from planning our birth to now we don't have a baby coming. Like, and it was also just really hard because my bleeding happened on the 31st. And then like, I remember having really, really bad, like cramping, bloating, feeling like so sick on the couch that same day that I found out that I, or sorry, two days after that, I had really bad cramping and nausea. Um, but I didn't have a ton extra bleeding after that. So it was like, I bled before I found out I was miscarrying. And then I had all of this stomach pain and I had a little bit more blood, and then like a couple of weeks later, I bled for like five days straight. So it was just so inconsistent. And I had so many questions for her. And at this point we hadn't paid her anything. So it's like, not only is it like for her, it's like <laughs> she's taking on the provider role for me, but she hasn't been paid, but she was so good to answer my text messages so quickly and just so like she gave me so much knowledge throughout this experience. And it's like, when you're going through a miscarriage, you can't just text your OB and be like, Hey, is this normal? But this was just another example of like, why I'm so thankful that we were choosing home birth because she was so available to me because no one tells you everything that goes along with a miscarriage. Like you're not just pregnant and then you're not, and nothing else happens. There's so much that happens like emotionally, physically, and mentally, and she was just so good to check in on me and answer all my questions and give me so many tips as far as like a heating pad, warm Epsom salt, take ibuprofen, ginger ale can help relieve gas pressure or a teaspoon of baking soda and a half a cup of water down fast. Like I'm just reading through text messages from her. Raw garlic can work well to kill any bacteria if I had some kind of infection. Um, and she was just so good. So as I was getting, um, my blood work done, she was texting me and checking in on me, asking how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Um, the next blood test result, my levels went down again to 39.7. So when I found out I was pregnant, 175.1, when I found out I was miscarrying 68.4, then when I got my blood work down next, it was 39.7 couple weeks later. And then I got a call from the doctor that my, not from my midwife, from like the hospital, that my numbers went back up 
on May 2nd, so a month after my miscarriage, my numbers went back up from 39.7 to 68, which this is so strange. And this is the part of my story where it just gets really like confusing. At least for me, I'm still confused as why this happened. Um, but they literally told me this could be another pregnancy or this could be an ectopic pregnancy. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, so what do I do? And the doctors literally just said like, just wait. Um, and we're going to do some more blood work. And I'm like, okay, you just want me to wait until we can do more blood work. Like this is so confusing. So I did talk to my midwife about this and I texted her. I said, my numbers went up. Um, she asked if I had had an ultrasound yet this pregnancy. And she asked if this could be the loss of a twin, because basically when you miscarry, if you've never gone through this, or even if you have, what happens is as you're pregnant, your numbers rise. And then when you miscarry, your numbers go back down. And typically, um, it can take anywhere from like four to six weeks to return to normal. Um, and normal ovulation won't return unless your HCG is less than five. Um, so it can take a long time, like four to six weeks, I feel like is a long time. It doesn't just like you're pregnant and then your levels go down to zero. Um, but for my numbers to not get down to zero and then to start rising again was really weird. My midwife asked if it could be a loss of a twin, um, which I told her, I haven't had an ultrasound, so I don't know how many babies I had in there, but, um, I told her that I called back to the doctor and I asked again and they said that they would do blood work in a couple of days and we would go from there. Um, I'm like, I don't know if they went back down to zero and I just missed it and now they're back up to 68 or if I had one pregnancy with twins and then one twin passed, but the other twin is still growing. And so, um, I ended up calling the hospital and I said, like, I'm just really confused as to what's going on with my body. Because when you guys called me and said my number, my numbers went back up, I'm immediately thinking another pregnancy, but you guys aren't giving me an ultrasound. And I would just really like to know what's going on because I had a home birth midwife I was working with who maybe thought it would have been twins. And, um, she was also telling me that she thinks this might be a tubal pregnancy, which is where the baby didn't implant into the uterus. It implanted in your fallopian tube. And that can be really risky because you could lose your tube. Um, and so basically they were just saying it could be this, could be that, could be this, could be that. Um, but we're going to wait until Wednesday and see if your numbers double again. And if they do, then we'll try to do an ultrasound on Thursday. But she said if she had to guess that she would say it's a tubal pregnancy. And my midwife had said, if it was a tubal, then you'd be having pain now and it would not go away. So she asked me, are you having any pain? And then she said, unless you just got pregnant again with a different baby and it's a tubal pregnancy, but either way, this needs to be addressed as soon as possible because it can cause rupture of the fallopian tube. I told her I wasn't in any pain, but I had bad pain two days after miscarrying. And then that the week prior to this all happening, I had five days of bleeding and I thought it was my period. So I asked her, do you think I would have any luck calling the ER and asking if I could get an ultrasound? Because if this is a possible tubal pregnancy, I do not want to lose my tube because I want more babies. <laughs> and, um, 
I just, I don't want to wait it out. And she said, I'm right there with you. How much does it cost for you to go to the ER? And I'm like, well, it's free, but what do I do to demand an ultrasound? And my midwife posted in a Facebook group, um, asking in a Christian midwives group, tell me what HCG levels look like if there is an early complete miscarriage of one twin can levels drop low and then start climbing again and another midwife said yes happened to my mom (laughs) and I'm like okay so I'm either like pregnant again or I'm having a tubal pregnancy or I'm potentially having one baby when I was having two and um, then she sent me a testimony of another person who was in this group that said, I was young, so I don't know all the details, but my mom was maybe three months pregnant, started bleeding heavily. Her HCG levels started plummeting. She was supposed to go in for a DNC, but then her numbers slowly started going up again. They waited and checked again. They were still going up, so they did an ultrasound. This was in the early 90s. Early and frequent ultrasounds were uncommon, but there was still a baby. So they think it must have been a lost twin. And I'm like, okay. So I said, I pray to God that that's the case with this. I really want to go into the ER. I'm not sure if they'd give me an ultrasound, but even if it was a tubal pregnancy from the last pregnancy, would they even be able to see that this early on? And I said, when I got my period last week, I called the ER and asked to get an ultrasound to rule out any infection or tubal pregnancy. And the nurse called me back and said, no, because I wasn't bleeding enough. They said, if I start having intense pain or bleeding through more than one pad per hour, then I could come in and they would do an ultrasound. I said, I feel like no one's listening to me or my concerns, and I don't want to wait until it ruptures if that's what they're telling me to do. And she said, my midwife friends agree with me. You need an ultrasound ASAP. And she said, did they take your name when you called the ER? If so, show up. If you show up, they can't turn you away. Tell them you're very scared you're going to lose your fallopian tube and would like checked. Or call your OB or NAPRO doctor and see who will give you an ultrasound tomorrow. Just say you're not comfortable risking your tube. And I was asking her which hospital she thought I would go to. She told me don't go to this one. They don't do OB. She said, I wish I lived closer. I can at least look for heart tones and because she's like two and a half hours away from me or two hours. I'm not sure. And, um, she was asking about like my HCG levels and how far along I thought I was. And she just told me that she's going to pray that God places some merciful providers for me because I told her I'm going into the Ames ER. And, um, basically what happened is I walk into this ER. This makes me so irritated, you guys. So earlier in the day, on this day, I had blood work done and, It was 68 and that was higher than the time before where it was like 37 and they were refusing on the phone to let me come in to the OB to get an ultrasound. I walk into the ER. They ask me what I'm there for. I try and explain this whole situation that I was pregnant and then I wasn't. My numbers were dropping. Now they're going back up. We don't know why they're going back up. I've never had an ultrasound. I would really like for them to do an ultrasound to make sure that I can rule out any kind of like tubal ectopic pregnancy or just making sure that there's no infection, um, making sure that there's not still a baby in there. If I did have a twin, like a vanishing twin, um, or a twin miscarriage. Um, 
And they refused to see me. They came in, they asked, they did all the intro questions in the ER and then the doctors left or the nurses left or whatever. They came back in and they said, Dr. Swanson already told you earlier today. And I remember they came into the room and this lady is like crossing her arms like, so what are you here for? And I'm like, and I explained everything again. And she said, didn't you already talk to someone earlier today about this? And I said, yes. And she's like, well, Dr. Swanson already told you that he doesn't want to do an ultrasound on you right now. He wants to wait for more blood work. You guys, I've never met a Dr. Swanson in my life. I don't know this man. I don't know who he is. I don't know why they are taking this random man's word over mine and just completely ignoring the fact that I feel something is off and that I want to know that my fertility is going to be like not ruined for the rest of my life just because they wanted me to wait it out when we have no idea what's going on with my body. And they literally refused to see me and tried telling me that there was no one there to do an ultrasound on me. Mind you, this is only at like 8.30 at night. And when I had bleeding with Judah in the first trimester, I went in in the middle of the night and they called the ultrasound tech in. And so they tried telling me we can't do ultrasounds past 5 p.m. And I said, that's a lie because you did an ultrasound on me in my last pregnancy and it was the middle of the night and you called the person in. And they said, well, since COVID, we don't do that anymore. And really, COVID was happening when I had my early bleeding with Judah. It was in the fall of 2020. So yeah, they completely lied to me. And basically, they didn't think it was a cause of concern that my numbers were going up and no one knew why. And they told me that they could just retest my blood for me if I wanted, which I said, no, I don't want that. You already tested my blood earlier today. And they said, well, then you can wait a couple more days until we can test your blood again. <sighs> so... At this time, we have my not even one-year-old son with us. It's like 10 p.m. and we're leaving the Ames ER. And our other three kids who are foster kids were at our house with their parents. And at the time, their parents were approved to be with them unsupervised. So they were just sitting at our house, basically house-sitting while the kids were asleep. And we called them and we said, they're refusing to see me. And that we were going to go to Des Moines because as we were leaving the Ames ER, we asked them where, where can we go that we would get an ultrasound tonight? And they said, you can go to Des Moines. So they completely refused to see me, made me feel like an idiot. We drove all the way to Des Moines and, um, we get there and thankfully <laughs> the doctors took me seriously. I was so relieved that, someone saw me that night and someone literally just listened because for some reason, because of the way that their procedures call for, they did not listen to me as the person whose tubes could have been at risk. And instead they listened to a man who I've never met and what he thought was best for me. And I will never forget how that just was like the nail in the coffin of like, I am never giving birth in a hospital again, Lord willing. Like I knew from my birth with Judah, but that night was just like completely awful. So I get to Des Moines. Thankfully, they take me seriously. They agree to give me an ultrasound. I am so thankful. And they did test my HCG again at that hospital. And it was a 67, which that morning it was a 68. So it did go down a little bit. Um, 
They did the ultrasound. Everything looked good. It was completely normal. They said that they can't rule out the ectopic pregnancy or tubal yet and to follow up with my OB in two days. And I just told my midwife, I do not want to go back to the hospital here in Ames. And while I was there, my midwife sent me these stories off of YouTube from someone whose HCG increased after a miscarriage and took four months to return to zero. And it said, um, it was like two videos from the same girl where her numbers went down and then they went back up and they took forever to go back down. And it was basically this woman who like, was just sharing her story. My midwife said, this lady has a similar story. Not sure about all the juicing, but thought you might appreciate the similarities. So basically this woman had almost the exact same story as me. And she got her HCG levels down by drinking straight carrot juice. So I literally, I, I don't even remember if I went back. I think I just fired the hospital after that. And started working with the pro-life doctor that I will talk about in a second. Um, But I ended up taking a ton of carrots and just juicing them. And I drank them for, I don't even know, two or three weeks straight. And obviously I ate other food too. But that is what I did. And then I got pregnant again. (laughs) So my HCG levels ended up going back down. Um, from the 4th to the 12th of May, um, they went from 67.1 to 38.5. So finally making some progress and I still don't know like why this is happening. I started to work with a pro-life Christian, well, Catholic doctor, um, in Des Moines called Vite Family Care and he is amazing. His name is Dr. Gregory McKernan. So I started working with him. Um, let me pull up. When was that? I need to put in my password and then I can tell you. Oh, on May 11th. And this was like after my levels started going back down again. And I just went in to talk to him because my friend told me that I should get my levels tested, my progesterone levels, because, um, that can cause miscarriage if your levels are not what they need to be, especially in that first trimester before your placenta takes over your estrogen and your progesterone levels. So, um, started working with him and he tested my progesterone. He tested my HCG and I never went back to Mary Greeley after that ER visit. Oh, I just said the name of the hospital. Oh, well. Yeah, it was Mary Greeley and Ames. Um, treated me like absolute trash. Can't even can't even tell you how discouraging that was, but I'm so thankful that I had my midwife and I'm so thankful that I was working with Vitae Family Care in Des Moines at the same time. So um, those are all the notes that I have about this, but basically after this, my levels ended up going back down and I had found out that I was pregnant about one month after that. So I started tracking with the NAPRO technology doctor, um, to do the crate and charting method. And they basically help you to recognize when you're ovulating so that you can either, um, attempt pregnancy or avoid pregnancy. And so Caleb and I started our tracking. We met with them a couple times to learn the tracking method. And it was so incredible to go from Mary Greeley where 
they wouldn't even give me an ultrasound and took this random man who had never met word over mine. Also, when they called to tell me, so I found out I miscarried. My midwife's the one that told me that those numbers equal miscarriage, but then the doctor did, well, a nurse did call me that same day after my midwife had prayed over me and, um, told me like, that is what a miscarriage is. Like those numbers equal a miscarriage. The doctor or the nurse called me back from the hospital and she did tell me that my numbers equal miscarriage. And I was like, yeah, I know. I already saw them. And she was like, so basically we want to track you really closely, closely because we want to make sure that your numbers get all the way back down. Because if you have any retained, um, items of conception, then that can cause, uh, cancer in your uterus. And I was just like, the, the difference in the words that she spoke over me versus my midwife, I was like, okay, thanks. Like, even from the second that you're pregnant, they start asking like, do you want to do this test? Do you want to do this test? Let's make sure that you don't have this. Let's start talking about this. And it's like, can we just like celebrate that there's life in my womb? Like, can we not medicalize every single part of this? And then with the miscarriage, it's like items of conception and making sure you don't have cancer. It's like, can I just pray over you and text you scripture? Like that is the difference of home birth versus hospital birth in and of a miscarriage. Like it's just insane to me. And I am so thankful that I had Jen walking me through this. And I'm so thankful that I had the pro-life Catholic doctor because I walk into that office, there was worship music playing. There was scripture on the walls. There were babies that were saved from abortion on the walls. Like, and it was like, this was not just an item of conception. This was my child. And these are not just people who are going to encourage me if anything's wrong with my baby to have an abortion. They're people that are going to try and help me to stay pregnant. Like they help women supplement, um, hormones so that they can support a healthy pregnancy and avoid miscarriage. And they see it as an actual life of a living human being, not just items of conception. And so this was my experience and just like the best thing I could have done was seeking out my Christian home birth midwife to walk through this um, this miscarriage with me and also seeking out the help at the pro-life pregnancy clinic. Those two things literally carried me through this season. It was the hardest thing I've ever walked through. Um, I was doing amazing with my health coaching right before I miscarried and I just completely stopped. (laughs) Like I could not get myself to get out of bed. I could barely parent the kids. Um, our three fosters were going through a season of transition where they were about to go home right after we miscarried. And this was the same time as my biological son's first birthday. And also the first mother's day that I had had since giving birth. Cause I gave birth on mother's day. Remember? So my second mother's day, um, it was like, well, I have my biological son and then I had a baby, but I miscarried. And then I have these three kids, but they're about to move home with their mom and dad. So it was just a very emotional time at the same time I'm planning a birthday party. Um, but I did find out that I was pregnant again on June 20th and I just cannot even tell you how ecstatic I was. I knew that my numbers had gone down enough that I was going to be able to have another baby. Um, but I texted my midwife, my picture of my pregnancy test and, um, 
I was working with the pro-life doctor at Vitae Family Care, and he was kind of talking to me about supplementing progesterone versus not because I was still nursing. So I was just telling Jen, I want to do a home birth with you, um, pending that this pregnancy actually brings a baby, but I wasn't expecting to feel so much fear, um, during my second pregnancy. So (sighs) she started telling me what to do next. And, um, basically, My goal of sharing all of this with you is just to show you how crappy I was treated (laughs) during my miscarriage and also to encourage you that there are people out there who will support you and love you and care for you in the way that you deserve to be supported, loved, and cared for through a miscarriage. Um, But it was just not my experience that I got that from the hospital setting. And that was one of the main reasons why I stuck with my home birth plans um, for our next baby. Because from my birth with Judah to this miscarriage, it was just like, I don't even matter to these people. Like, I am just another mother, like an example in a textbook of a mom, but not really a mom. Like, okay, this is Mandy and she has had one vaginal birth. And, um, I'm just thinking of like when they read off your chart, like how many babies you've had that are like living that had miscarried or abortion. And then like your current pregnancy and like reading those numbers off versus like how Jen knew me and how Jen loved me. Like, it's just wild to me. And whenever I hear moms walking through miscarriage now, I, oh, something I just completely forgot. What I was going to say is whenever I hear moms walking through miscarriage, I just want to tell them that, um, they're seen and they're loved and that, um, it does get better and it does get easier. You never get over it, quote unquote, but it does get just easier, like easier to cope with, easier to think about, easier to talk about. And for me, it was really healing. Like the second I found out that I was pregnant again, for some women that isn't the case. And obviously your next baby does not replace the baby that you lost. But for me, it was just like, I had hope. (laughs) I had like this next baby to long for this next baby to start caring for this next baby to prepare for. And just until I had that pregnancy test, I felt very, very hopeless. So, um, The other thing that I was going to share is that when the hospital called me to tell me that I was miscarrying, they told me, um, that they want to follow my levels because if they don't go down in a certain amount of time, then they're going to recommend a DNC. And, um, there was a point where my numbers weren't going down fast enough for them. And, They had recommended that I get the DNC. They said, at this point, I think it would be better for you to come in and just have the procedure. Um, Let us know when you want to schedule that. And at that point, I had already talked to my midwife about, should I get the DNC or should I allow my baby to be birthed naturally? And she had kind of told me that in her experience, she had experienced a DNC and she had also experienced just letting your body release the baby when your body's ready. And she said, um, here's the benefits of this way. Here's the benefits of this way. Here's the risks of this way. Here's the risks of this way. And she really gave me like the informed consent that I was looking for versus with the hospital. It was like, well, this isn't happening fast enough. So we think you should come in and get the DNC. When do you want to do that? And it's like, well, that's not informed consent when you just tell me that I should do this. Like, 
And they said, well, if we don't do it, you're at the risk of cancer. And what they don't tell you is that if you do a DNC, you have a risk of having more scar tissue in your uterus, which can affect you later on. And these are all things that my midwife was sharing with me, but that the hospital did not. So it's like so different to have someone walk alongside you, support you, pray over you, give you natural remedies. She offered, my midwife offered to drop off a tincture for me that I could use that can try and help my uterus to contract to expel anything that was left. Um, but I hadn't even paid her at this point and she's over two hours away and she was willing to drop that off for me. And she answered so many questions for me during my miscarriage and even into my third pregnancy before I even paid her a dime. And that is just not the way that the world operates in business. And that's what I love so much about one of the things I love so much about my midwife is that I'm not just, I'm not just a dollar sign. I'm not just another mom who has Medicaid. So let's give her as many medications during her birth and as many interventions as we can so that we can stack up this bill and make as much money as we can for the hospital. Like once you walk through it, you kind of see that a little bit more. So That is kind of what I went through with my um, miscarriage. Um, I want to look through these and make sure that I don't have anything else that I wanted to mention. But if you are someone who's walked through miscarriage, um, I want to tell you that um, NAPRO technology is incredible at looking at what your levels are during which phases of your cycle that you're in. So if you're luteal phase, then this is what your progesterone should look like. Um, I don't want to get too much into Gloria's pregnancy, but I did end up supplementing progesterone with Gloria and she was my first pregnancy that I didn't have any bleeding. So look up NAPRO technology. It's N-A capital P-R-O technology doctor near you on Google. Um, if you're local, you can look up Vitae Family Care. It's V-I-T-A-E Family Care um, in Des Moines, and you will not be disappointed. The front desk lady is the sweetest. The nurse is so sweet. The doctor is so knowledgeable. It's him and his wife, and it is a Catholic place like I mentioned, but It is truly amazing the way that they care for women, the way that they honor life, the way that they don't treat you like this was just something to be discarded. He was truly empathetic towards me and loving towards me. And they showed during our charting class this video of the sperm and the egg meeting and that there's this burst of light. And it was just so confirming to me of like that it was actually life and like that God made it so amazing and all the scripture that is in the word of, um, God being the light of the world and that we are to be called, we are to be the light to others. And the way that where Jesus is, there's freedom and there's life and there's light. And when, when sperm and egg meet and the life starts, there's this burst of light. And I feel like it was just such an example to me of like, we are made in the image of God and we are called to be bearers of truth and we're called to shine brightly. And the fact that the way the Lord created us is when we are conceived, there is this burst of light is just so amazing. One last thing that I want to mention (laughs) as I'm kind of like thinking back and reflecting on this experience, one of the worst parts was how I had to keep going in for blood work. And this was a place that 
I was really happy to be like the first few times I went because every time I went, it was like, oh yeah, your numbers went up. Like I went here with Judah to make sure I was pregnant and then to like make sure my levels were rising. And then I went here when I found out I was pregnant with this baby. And, um, then I went again and found out that I had miscarried. And then I just kept getting my blood work drawn because they told me that I needed to continue like making sure it was going down and stuff. And even my midwife was like questioning, like what the heck is going on? So she was recommending that I get my HCG levels checked at least a couple of times. Um, but it was so discouraging because I would go in there and they would ask me, like, I remember the first couple of times I went, they were like, Oh, so what are you here for? And like asking me like, um, for my blood work. And I said, I'm going through a miscarriage and it's like, you're checking in at the same place as all these super pregnant women. And it's like, you were just a pregnant woman and now you're not anymore. And that's really hard. And then when you get up to the place where they draw your blood, it's like, they're all like happy and joking around. And you're just like sitting there getting your blood drawn because your baby is no longer like living inside of you. And, um, a couple times in a row, the lady took my blood like three times in a row, I think. And she didn't recognize me any of the times. And she was like asking me what's going on and like basically why I'm there. And it's like, I just told you last week that I'm miscarrying. Like, <laughs> stop asking me that. And also it's just annoying to be around all these happy people when you're going to a place that makes you so freaking sad. So the blood work part of that completely sucked until I stopped going into the hospital there and went to a hospital in Ankeny instead to get my blood work done. That was another part that I just absolutely dreaded. It was like more blood work, more blood work, more blood work. And every time that you go, you're around all of these super pregnant people and it's just like the worst. So that was something else that I absolutely hated about the hospital. And speaking of, uh, blood work, I just remembered this part of my home birth that I absolutely loved. I never once had my blood drawn when I was pregnant with Gloria, not even once. <laughs> and guess what? I still had a healthy baby. Like, wow. How crazy. My midwife already knew my blood type, so we didn't have to go and do that. And, um, I guess I did have my HCG levels checked twice, but as far as my prenatal care, like once I knew that I was pregnant, once I knew my levels were rising, I did not do any more of that testing. So that's just a little sneak peek into one of the reasons why I love my home birth. But, uh, that was the worst with Judah. And I forgot to share that in his episode of how many times they had to prick my skin and take my blood when I was pregnant with him that I hated. And then obviously with my miscarriage, a ton, a ton of blood work. And every single time it was just so, um, anxiety filling and just stressful. And then with Gloria, my midwife came to me and, uh, all I ever had to do was like pee in a cup. So that was the best thing ever. But if you've listened to this, uh, all the way through, I hope that you found this helpful. And I mean, it's not really encouraging. It's actually super frustrating, at least to me, but, um, hopefully it's inspiring to you that there are still providers out there who love women well. And, um, yeah, I wasn't planning on sharing the hospital's name, but just kind of came out. So thank you guys for listening and I will have the next podcast episode out by 
this time next week. So by next Wednesday and, um, yeah, I just wanted to get this out there. And this was one of the episodes where I really needed to take good notes before because I had all these numbers and all these dates and all these things I wanted to remember. So I think I've hit on everything, but If there's anything in this that you think a mom should hear, whether they're pregnant or they've had a miscarriage or they're just um, in a season of advocating for themselves with the hospital system, um, please share this with them. Or if there's someone that you think would find this helpful, um, be obedient. If you're thinking of someone right now that you think would enjoy listening to this, otherwise you guys can come back and listen to my home birth story in one week. I will have that episode posted for you. I'm going to give myself a timeline so that I actually get it done. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope that you have a great rest of your night.